benders and non-benders alike. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco, and this is Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. Dante, before we do anything else, we have to announce that we are going to be bringing our little podcast to a live audience at New York Comic Con. That's right. On Saturday, October 9th, we are going to be doing a live episode of Braving the Elements in front of a crowd. It is going to be a safe crowd, and we're really excited to do it with a bunch of you. Obviously, check out NYCC's website for more info on that. If you have plans to be at New York comic-con please put that on your slate of events to do on saturday the 9th cannot wait buddy okay let's just take a moment because we gotta really get excited about what's happening right now i mean come on i mean this is the moment a lot of people have been waiting for and many people thought we could not pull this off but we were in fact able to track down the avatar not unlike his character as far as the fans concerned he was he's been gone i mean 100 years like where we don't know where this guy's at right we got to get to the bottom of it in a, and guess in a positive what? and excited way. And guess who found him? Prince Zuko. It's true. It's true. He's going around, finding him, regained his honor. He found the man. And here he is. Everyone, we're so excited to welcome Aang himself, but also many other things in his life and world. Zach Tyler Eisen. Zach, what's up? Guys, it is... So good to be here. Good to see you, Dante. Welcome back. Yay. Good to see you. Yeah, Janet, this is the first time we're meeting, so it's it's great to meet you. Uh, it's, it's really so great oh, to meet you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad that this is happening right now. I'm me very, too. very, very glad. This is uh, long overdue. Thank you, thank you. This is very, very, very cool. You know, we've been doing this podcast for many episodes, and we are constantly talking about, of course, Aang, and your performance was so fantastic. And well, thank you. So just like innate. So bravo. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I, I had no formal training, so that might have honestly been a good thing uh, what, from what you're telling me. I think sometimes, sometimes yeah. it is. Sometimes that is. So but uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, looking back, it was it was just a great experience in my life and I'm, I'm very thankful for it. So when did you start acting? I started acting at the ripe old age of four years old. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I w- learned how to read at a young age. I was articulate for a four-year-old. Um, didn't help. It didn't hurt rather that I was pretty adorable. Um, so yeah, it was kind of the perfect <laughs> if storm. If I say so myself. If, if I, I say, say so, so myself. myself. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I started out doing like commercials and stuff like that. And, um, it, it just, uh, kind of evolved. I was doing a lot of on camera stuff at the beginning. Um, some like small roles in television shows and stuff like that. And, um, then I kind of found my niche in, uh, in voice acting. Um, and I did that until I was in high school and, um, yeah, the rest is history. Wow. And this is all in the East Coast, right? This all in the all, East Coast. you're from the East Coast. I am. I am. I'm originally from Connecticut. Uh, I live in New York now. Um, and yeah, I've spent my entire life here on the East Coast. And um, I love it. I'm sorry to you West Coast folk that it's so nice there all the time. But uh, <laughs> <It's> so nice. <laughs> I love the East Coast. I wish, I mean, I'm always excited any opportunity or reason I have to, to be on that side of things. Um, but I've never lived over there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a place to be. And so when you started recording for Avatar, most of the cast, if not all of the rest of the cast, was in L.A., right? Were you going into the booth just by yourself? Or were there other projects that you were doing that happened to have uh, more of the cast in the same room? Because it can be a different experience, right? Oh, such a different experience. And and honestly, the vast majority of the work that I did was solo in the booth. There were a few opportunities recording Avatar where I would work with other actors, but just being pretty much the only principal cast member on the East Coast, it, it made it difficult. 
and and that went for the other shows that I was a part of as well. I was in the Nick Jr. series, Little Bill, which I primarily did alone. I was much, much younger when I did that. I also was in the Backyard again as I played Pablo, which is something that has for one reason or another been getting some attention on TikTok, Twitter lately. I don't know why. No one knows why also... anything trends on TikTok. That's the beautiful, <laughs> magical mystery of TikTok. <laughs> For real. I know. If either of you guys it. know, I would love to know the secret. We can <laughs> offline about that later. But So you mentioned starting out in commercials at, you know, age four ish. Was that something that you specifically approached your folks about or? You know, it, it was just kind of something that really happened. I wasn't like forced into it by anybody, but I certainly didn't approach my parents at four years old saying, hey, can I can I act? Um, so, um, you know, it, it, it was just something that like we experimented with and I started finding a bit of success and, um, and yeah, just my, my, I was lucky to have a, a relatively successful career in a, a small amount of time. Um, but yeah, no, I, I wouldn't like describe myself as a, as a thespian or, or, uh, a born actor or anything like that. Um, but, um, you know, I was, I was in it just as much as the next guy. Were you alone? Like Dante, you he's mentioned that he would get to at least hear your voice in some recordings. Yeah. I don't know if that like did a lot yeah. of recordings. Okay. We, so we did a lot of stuff where we'd come on booth and it's like usually me, Jack, May and, uh, you know, Mako. We, we, we especially the first season, you know, you're trying to get the cast together as much as possible so you can get some kind of gelling going on with the performances. And, and it would be like, and Zach's here on the East Coast. And it'd be like, it'd be basically Zach's voice. And you're like, hey, we're like, hey, what's up, Zach? So you and really, he was ang to you. He really was ang to you. Like you were just he hearing was the disembodied voice. Yeah, you would just hear, when he was in session with us, it would just be his voice over. And then I met him at, a, we first met when you were very young at the premiere party. That's right, yeah. Nickelodeon. Which we actually talked about that with Brian, and there was a whole martial arts yes, of course, uh, exhibition. Yes, Sifu Kisu was there, and it was it was cool. And I met your whole family, and you're you know you were a kid. I was a full kid. Uh, I was <laughs> I, I was pretty much like the same age as Aang. I might have even been a little bit younger by the time the premiere rolled around. I think the show premiered in '05. I want to say that would have made me 12 or 11, depending on the time of year. So yeah, I, I was, I was young. Uh, and you guys were all like the cool older kids, like, you know, intimidating hey, in a, in a cool way, not in a, not in a scary Some way. Some of us older than others. I mean, I look at Jack <laughs> hey. and May at those days too. And I'm like, you guys were like children. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we all were children. And, and you know, that was, that was part of, uh, part of the fun of it. it. It was cool playing a kid who was my age. I was kind of going through the same, uh, you know, age progression as Aang at that at the same time. Um, you can hear it in my voice a little later in season three. Um, I think it makes it. I think that makes it very exciting and special. And a lot of times, kids age out of the characters and they get recast, right? Yeah. And this is like a character you did the whole sit the whole duration of the series, which I think is really special. Thank God it was only three seasons because I don't think <laughs> I could have made like- it a fourth. <laughs> Was there ever a conversation about moving to the West Coast? And I'm not saying that because I think it's better because I don't, but I'm just wondering if, if <laughs> in can, the process. We can have that debate later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering if there, that was ever even like on the table, if it was just like, no, that's not going to be, this thing is part of my larger life here and it's not going to become my life by me going somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. The latter. I, it, this this was very much just a, a part of my life here. I never really considered moving out to the West Coast. I, you know. Later, much later after college, I thought about it for a little bit, but ultimately decided to stay here. But, you know, um, my whole family's uh, on the East Coast and and my whole life is here. Um, And and yeah, as you said, it was really just 
something else that I did. And I don't mean to like sort of discount it in that way, but, um, I was able to like, thanks to like the hard work of my mother and my manager and, and all the people around me, I was able to, you know, play baseball like a normal kid and work, you know, recording sessions into my quote unquote busy schedule that I had as a, as a 12 year old. So uh, yeah. <laughs> listen, most 12 year olds I know are busier than most adults I know. So yeah, there right, is right? a lot that can keep you busy. I guess sometimes it's that adults are glad because they have maybe more time to do <laughs> their stuff. So they're like, <laughs> um, ballet. But... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, you know, between, between the recordings, but, uh, the, the, well, the recording sessions were like, you know, a couple times a week I was coming into the city for auditions. You know, it wasn't, um, that's part of the beauty of voice acting. It wasn't all encompassing. I didn't have to be on a set for weeks at a time. So I could go to school. I could, you know, do all the things that a, a, a normal preteen could do. And that was, I'm, I'm very happy for that. Now leading up to the show, when you, when you ended up booking the show, mm-hmm. Uh, did you have any expectations of what it was or what, what it was going to become? Did you have any idea that we'd be talking about on a podcast some 15, 17 years later and how, how it's kind of impacted the world? I, I don't think that anybody really could have predicted just the phenomenon that the show would evolve into. And and I think everyone knew that there was something special about it. It was very different from anything that, that Nickelodeon had aired in the, uh, you know, in the years prior. Um, like clearly Mike and Brian are geniuses. They, they knew what they were doing. They knew exactly where to take the series and how to pull it off. Um, but I personally, like, I know I had no idea that I'd be sitting here years and years later, uh, you know, talking about the show and, and, you know, that last summer it, it was number one on Netflix. Oh my God. Like just the way wow, it has how, permeated how, the culture. How is that possible? Yeah. In, insane. Um, so no, I couldn't have predicted it, but like, I think especially after, after it premiered, I think we kind of knew that, uh, it, it was special, but how special only, you know, that, that came with time. Right. And I think unlike the rest of us castmates, like you're the kid, you're the age of the kids originally watching it. So you would actually, when it came out, you were going to school, your classmates were watching the show. Yeah. First, before it kind of spread out to other age ranges and whatnot. So do you have any memories of what the kids were talking about when it came out? I mean, like, it's been something that has followed me throughout my life. I, I, uh, it was, it definitely had a a ton of fans at my school. I I went to public school, um, you know, a pretty large school at that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wasn't getting mobbed in the hallways cause you know, I, I, I had kind of been doing this for a while at that point and some people knew some people didn't, they'd find out and it would be an exciting thing. But, um, yeah, no, it, it, it was very cool being the same age and kind of aging with the character. Um, you know, I, I, I would watch it with friends every now and again, um, which, you know, uh, it was, it's a cool experience. You're right. It's, it, it was, it was very special that, uh, you know, I was able to kind of experience it through the eyes of a fan as well. What a good and sweet and wonderful and humble person you are when you could have just become insufferable. You really could have decided like, yeah, I guess I'm going to be kind of better than everyone. (laughs) Like, like, yeah, my friends like the show I'm on. It's cool. Whatever. I'm in. I'm the avatar. That's not me. That's not me. It's not you. It was never going to be It is weird as a kid, Varney, and you're like, your friends see you on a show or hear you on a show and it's, and you go to school on Monday and it's, it's a very weird thing. It is kind of strange and it's, everyone tackles it differently i think how you know not everybody can, can yeah. deal with it and it's it's tough it, it, it is you know um growing up and 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 dealing with uh just all the pressures of, of the biz 
Yeah. But all the pressures of being a teenager yeah. and the biz at the same time in your little school. I can't yeah. even like, imagine. Uh, I could barely keep it together. I mean, the idea of trying well, to have a professional career. No one said we were keeping it together. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, right. Exactly. Touche. Touche. Well, Zach, was that where your interest in the entertainment business or in storytelling started to expand out to include more things than just, you know, sort of being the talent? Oh, totally. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've I've been around this industry in some form or another for the vast majority of my life. Um, you know, if I'll say the uh, number of years, uh, you know, kind of give away my age. But uh, <laughs> um to- I don't think anyone's like, he's too old for blah, blah, blah. Like, you're fine. <laughs> no, I mean, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it like, I, I think um, it gave me a nice introduction into this world. And, and, and um, you know, I, I still am, am working in the industry in a different form. I'm, I'm behind the microphone camera now. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a camera guy now. Uh, that's what I do. Um, I love it. And I, I definitely think that, you know, the fact that I was, I had some connection to this world that, that led me to where I am today. And did you study that throughout school? Like, did you, I did. you committed to, yeah, but like filmmaking yeah. or. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I went to college, uh, I majored in television, radio and film. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, as a, as a, as a teenager, I like wanted to kind of figure out a way to like parlay my voice acting experience and, you know, also interest in, in media and communications. And like, I, I'm a huge, huge hockey fan. I love the New York Rangers. It was my dream to, uh, to be the play by play announcer for the Rangers. Never quite materialized, but you know, there's still time. We don't know. Um, but, yeah. but you know, that, you know, I think I, I started down that path and then eventually I kind of discovered, uh, camera work and, and, um, you know, I, I love doing that and, and it's what I'm doing now. So. Okay. I, we know that. And I got very excited as I was kind of looking at some of the stuff that you've done as you've been evolving as an artist on the production side. I got very excited that you have done some Foley work. Oh. So no one is going to ask you to make any sounds, but we I, we would like to hear what you think off the top of your head you would use to achieve a certain sound based on your experience doing some Foley. Are you, as a Foley artist. Yeah. And, and explain to people what a Foley artist is for people yeah, that don't know you, what Dante a Foley Smart. artist is. Sure, sure. A Foley artist is someone who in post-production artificially manufactures the sound effects that you hear. So whether it's footsteps or uh, uh, raining or, or whatever it is, um, very talented people behind the scenes of your favorite TV shows, movies, whatever it is, are just creating these sounds from scratch and, on, and uh, often with interesting or unconventional objects or methods. Um, I think I think I captured the essence. Yes, of that that's there. beautiful. No, that's great. That's great. That's better than what I would have said. Yeah. Oh no, way better. Way better. He clearly knows this stuff. We saw the wonderful Foley artists like sound designer Benjamin Wynn and his team kind of crunching Aang's feet through the leaves and stuff like that in the studio. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yes. Yes. Dante, you want to start? We're gonna start with a more traditional Foley sound and we'll see what you think you would use to make that sound. Thunder. Hmm. Thunder. To me, okay, thunder. You need to get real deep. Um, you know, I'm thinking I, like a large sheet of like a thick stock of paper. Maybe shake it out a couple of times, and maybe add some uh, some drums in the background if you if if you're you know getting feeling a little musical about it. Love it. Mm. Okay, next one. I love that. That's great. 
And I don't even know what I meant when I wrote these. So good luck. <laughs> a zap of electricity. Oof. Oh man, this is see. This is where uh, my we we need some D Bradley Baker uh, to help here. D, oh yeah. Oh, know, get yes. some human noise yeah. and in, in interaction. Yeah. In. I like it. Yeah, that's that's a tough sound because you know I think um, it kind of depends on if the lightning makes contact with something. You know, I need a, I need a visual good reference point. for this one, oh, Danny. Good Janet point. point. Yeah. I apologize. Mia culpa. Mia culpa. <laughs> see, I don't know enough about the business to, to even ask. Well, Dante, what about this third one we have? Let's see what Zach has okay. to say about this one. Footsteps in moss. Mm, you know, I, I think I might go au naturel for that one and and either put put my hands in some shoes and, uh, you know, maybe use some felt or, or some actual moss. Or I'd even just, just mm. wear shoes on my feet as one does and, uh, you know, hold the mic low and just literally walk on moss that's sometimes the best uh that's a good one best foley is, is real you, never know. you never know i love the <laughs> idea that what if you were like uh as everyone in full foley work knows you never wear shoes on your feet everyone oh God, no. in foley only wears shoes on their hands <laughs> <laughs> i wish that were true uh okay next one eating a burrito a character an animated character is eating a burrito mm. you know this isn't going to be the most um interesting answer um but it is the most truthful uh, i would i would eat a burrito I, okay. i'm not gonna lie yeah you can't, great, there's no fair. there's no substitute sometimes <laughs> great and, and the last one last one swimming the backstroke and you're in okay. a studio you are in a studio in a studio okay um you know i i i might have to like rent a sound stage for it and get one of those big production tanks for it and, and go swimming but you know if we're, if we're really scaling it down gotta scale um, it down pot yeah, of water, scale it down. A pot of water. Okay. Okay. A pot of water. How big's the pot, Dante? It's a big one. It's a good. It's a good size. It's a good <laughs> okay. Size. Good. Almost we've, a cauldron. Cauldron, maybe, maybe a vat, you know, somewhere in that range. That would help. Yeah, the bigger, yeah, the better. Yeah, We're going, bit. you know, this is this is uh, serious stuff here. Um, yeah, I think um, I, I'd probably use my hands. Um, just you know, make a little bit of splashing noise. Make sure that water's reflecting off the sides of the container, vat, whatever you want to, whatever we have and available. And yeah. Foley artist. I do have to ask, where where did this come from? Because I I have done Foley. It's on IMDb. Here and there. On IMDb, your crew like there's a ton of different crew credits. So I think that the project that we're talking about here was a, was a project that I did in college. Yeah. As part of my major, we created a television series. Uh, this is going back a couple of years. Um, and yeah, I, I uh, assistant directed a few of the episodes. I DP'd an episode, which was my uh, cinematographic debut, if you will. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, and um, it was all student done. Um, you know, the whole, the whole production crew, as well as the actors, were all students at my university. It was called Truth or Dare. Um, it was about, uh, you guessed it, kids playing truth or dare, uh, in the woods. <laughs> nice. And, uh, and something goes wrong. You know, I'll, I'll let, uh, I'll let the audience dive deeper if they'd like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it was, it was like my first real foray into production experience, uh, from a, a live action perspective and on the crew side, of course. But yeah, no, I, I definitely like credit that experience with just where my career has taken me. But you mainly focus now on cinematography. 
What cinematographers do you admire and power duos that you're inspired by? Sure, sure. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Roger Deakins, who uh, is, is a very renowned cinematographer. Um, right. He recently, a couple of years back now, won the Oscar uh, for Best Cinematography for Blade Runner 2049, which was just an absolutely beautiful movie in, in every way, shape and form. Um, and yeah, I, I really admire his work. I, I tend to pull a lot of his frames as references. Uh, in, in my work, I, I can't hold a candle to him, cinematography pun, um, but um, <laughs> Um, you know, uh, you gotta, you gotta idolize the greats. Um, there's a reason that, uh, you, got to. you know, that, that they are where they are. Um, I had the pleasure of through my current job, um, working a little bit with, uh, the cinematographer, Robert Richardson last summer. Uh, we were doing like a, a remote shoot on an iPhone. Um, and, uh, we had a great exchange where I was trying to walk him through using this little dinky LED light. And this is a guy who is, you know, he, he works for Tarantino and he's asking me how to operate this little tiny LED light. And I was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was great. I mean, I'm fascinated because I mean, we're kids on the set and like you've gone on, I've gone on to do other things in the industry. What was your memories like as a kid on the set? When you, you look at the camera guys, look at the sound guys, look at the production designers. I mean, when I was a kid, like the boom, the guy with the boom was the coolest dude on the set. What, when you were on the sets and the live action stuff, did you have any kind of like affinity for what was going on? How was your mind? What were you thinking? I think in some regard I did. It was probably like a little more subliminal then. I, I was I, I was a lot younger when I did the bulk of my on-camera work. But that being said, like when it comes to Avatar, like um, one of the, one of my favorite people to work with uh, was Justin, who was the uh, audio engineer oh, at yeah, Nickelodeon in LA. And, and I would either, you know, every so often I'd, I'd come out to LA to do a session most of the time I was on the east coast so even just talking to him over over the uh over the airwaves w- was great so um you know we were I love he Justin. was a cool guy great guy he was Justin. a cool guy great guy people that don't know who Justin is like a long-haired guy he's doing con- he 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 ran the boards and engineered the the the, the board as we we're recording and so he's kind of recording this whole time but also of course since he's a music engineer he was also a musician mm-hmm. And he looks like a rocker. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you could totally tell. You're like, band. what band are you in, buddy? Yeah. You can totally tell. He's like, a yeah, badass. no, he's in a band. He gave me the tape, the demo tape. It was called Camaro. Nice. So I'm going to have to check them out. Thank you. Thanks for that. And now that you're pretty firmly focused in cinematography, if you could be a fly on the wall in any past production, what would it be? Hands down, it would be The Sopranos. Um, a huge, huge Sopranos fan. Okay, but now I think we do need to talk about a very different beloved television show now, right, everybody? Should we get into some Avatar verse stuff, Dee? You want to get into some like favorite thises and favorite that? Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. I've been waiting. We have a segment that we call Animal Crossing. Okay, love it. That is the Avatar Animal Crossing of hybrid animals. Do you have a favorite or a handful of favorites? I hate when people ask me for just one because I have a very hard time choosing. So what are the ones that pop into your head when you think about some of your favorite hybrid animals? Okay, I think um, I think I'm gonna have to go with um, hog monkeys. Uh, they're up there. I, I just I just really like monkeys for whatever reason, like real monkeys. Mm. Um, so I think that was a that was a good one. Um, you know, I'll admit I haven't seen Korra all the way through. I did start it recently, and I'm very into it. But I do love 
the polar bear dog. Uh, so that's one thing that was kind of lacking from the last Airbender. There was no great. real dog characters. I think. And you know, Naga was part of the original concept, and she just didn't make it in. That was a really early design right. that that uh, I believe Brian had done, and he they like held on to her, and then they popped her in when they had a chance. I'm to glad because it's based on based on Brian's real dog. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah, you yeah. Said? He's like, even yeah, with the that. same, like, huge back legs and small front legs, like, somehow <laughs> that was all happening in real life. So Brian's dog is massive, is what you're saying. Yes. I mean, <laughs> think about Naga. I thought about this thing, Jen, about Naga and Appa. Like, you know, we, we realize, like, Appa is so important. Without Appa, our gang, Zach, would, I mean, w- what would we do? We can't go anywhere. I, not, yeah. We can't go anywhere. Yeah. No, no, like the, the, the sh- half the plot was based around being able to travel so around true. the world. Half you know? the plot yeah. was Appa. We do these. We do these most valuable bending to most valuable non-bending moments per episode. And mm-hmm. early on, we were like, "Well, we can't give it to Appa every time, but <laughs> he kind of is the reason that they're able to do anything, and he is an Airbender yeah. technically." Comes through in the clutch. <laughs> How about episodes, uh, Zach? Any episodes that really stick out? This is another tough one. It's, you know, I have a lot of memories and I think I I really do think that most of the lasting memories have come from the first season, which is odd because that was, you know, farthest from now. Um, I think that the most memorable to me, and I've said this before, is is the King Boomy episode. I feel like that's kind of where I like started to feel like I was hitting my stride as an actor. Like I started to understand the character. Um, It was just a very fun episode. That being said, there are a few that like also throughout the rest of the series that stuck with me um one is uh zuko alone i which is i think the only episode that i'm not in um but dante you were incredible uh zuko's character arc is 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 amazing and and i mean you were just so phenomenal in voicing him thanks man tales of bossing say obviously uh that's that's a classic unforgettable um and i've also loved that episode too it's my favorite that i mean that could have won all the awards from as far as i'm concerned Oscar. Yeah, yeah, I'm no. happy to hand over the Oscar. Like, Give it to it. Yeah, why not? Sure, I'm ready. Tears are are always in the uh, in the festivities when when that one comes on. Oh, so um, good. I also think I like I like the Guru Patik stuff. Um, I just think it took the show in a, in an interesting direction. Uh, added a lot of spirituality and and um, other things that typically you don't see in cartoons that are made for kids. I don't want to call it a kid's show because that's kind of putting it into a into a box a little bit. But um, yeah, yeah I, I think it's uh, just like it was a, a very cool and, and different uh, direction. Oh, I love that you brought that up. That's so true. Right? For Shadow Report, what are your thoughts about the times that Aang lied? Hmm. I mean, for the fandom, it's very conflicted about those moments in the show. It's an emotion. Yeah, it's an emotional topic for but many fans. Even you as a kid. I mean, I- imagine you as like 12 or younger doing this show and you're like, hold on a second. I, I-, I get to lie. Like, I lie. Great right question, now. Dante. Uh, what did you feel at that age? He's such a pure character that, yeah, it is. It, it-, it was. Um, it- it's kind of hard to take a character in a direction, uh, doing something that they're normally not in the position of doing. And, and Dante, I feel like you probably had a similar experience when Zuko undergoes his kind of uh, awakening. And, 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 and I was uh, an adult. I was it, a bona fide adult you know, when I um, did it. I was like, I was seeing what's going on. You're like, a, you're like 11 years old. Like, I, this is how I do it. I just lied about the whole thing. You're like, yeah. All right, good. Have next episode. I'm like, oh, what? What happened? Bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah, no. I mean, uh, I think like, like part of, part of why Aang was, was, um, 
I don't want to say an easy character to play, but like he really was just so genuine. And so all I had, really had to do right. was, was, was be genuine. So, so telling a lie and, and acting and, and, and figuring out how to, how to do it and still make it convincing, but not, you know, I, yeah, no, it was, it was difficult and um, uncommon, very uh, uncharacteristic. Yeah. It's, it's funny too, because foreshadow report, foreshadow report, those, those two book one lies are are so different in their utility. Like people, one of them, it enrages people because it's such a toss off at the end mm-hmm. of something that it's like, how can he just so comfortably in the Great Divide just be like, eh, I just made it up. I made the whole thing up. Like that that would come so easily. <laughs> that one is so light and just fluffy I'm and like, like and it's gone. Why did he have to lie? Like, like that's, that's lie. Don't tell nobody you lied. Just that's let an it be. adult or lie. Say, that's an adult lie. It's an adult lie that an adult tells children. You know what I mean? And then they no, and totally. they write it off as an adult being like, oh yeah, I lied. It was just too big of a headache. They need they they need to get like, it together. Santa Claus. Like that was you know Santa what I mean? Claus. Did yeah. That. Cool. I'm, yeah. I think he did Versus the right thing. like the other one, which is like the heaviest of lies that we all feel like, oh, those are the times when it's that dark part of us that just is so hurt and so afraid of losing something that, you know, we make a decision that is like eating us up inside even as we're doing it. And that episode is so important when he really confronts that. It's like that's a real tearjerker for me. Yeah. Let's move on to our next topic. We've never done this segment before. It's called Cannon Fodder, C-A-N-O-N, Cannon Fodder. I see what you're doing there. And we're just going to play a quick game with you. Which of the following is true of these four ATLA factoids? Number one, Appa was based on a stuffed animal Mike had as a kid. Two, Momo is short for more money. Three, Mo money. Thank you. No problems. Three. <laughs> Three. The Rebels Treehouse is based on Ewoks dwellings in the Jet episode. Or four. The Cabbage Merchant is hidden somewhere in every episode. Hmm. I really want to believe that it's the Cabbage Merchant, but I don't <laughs> think that's true. Um, hmm. I think I, I really think that that would be more of like an internet sleuth thing. Like I, I think that would be out there somewhere. I haven't personally come across that. Fair. Um, hmm. That's a good one. I'm leaning towards it, that Jet's dwelling is based on the Ewoks. Um, I can totally see that being a Mike and Brian thing. But also, I don't think it's Momo, unfortunately, although that would probably <laughs> be the coolest thing. Um, Mo money's cool. Mo, Mo money. <laughs> um, hmm. Uh, oh, and then Appa based Dante's on Dante's imagining me animal. writing that right now, just laughing his butt off. Like, what a dork. <laughs> she is such a dork. Like, patting herself on the back like, mo, I'm going to say money, mo, mo money. money, mo money, mo money. Um, hmm. I- I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the Ewok one. Correct. Ooh, I would have went with that too. I would have went with that. You have triumphed clap, at clap. cannon fodder. You have triumphed, my friend, at Flamio, baby. cannon fodder. Oh, Flamio. Flamio. I mean, Star Wars makes it into everything. Of huh? course. Star Wars basically makes it into everything. You have to. In, right. more than, in more ways than one, because we did have a, have a pretty special guest star on the show. Exactly. Oh my gosh, yeah. Papa, big papa. Big papa. So... These are the questions we ask all our guests. Of course, what kind of bender would you be? Hmm. And I can't. I can't say the Avatar, right? I think that's that's too. I don't know. You I can mean, say you the Avatar. can I mean, probably I mean, say the Avatar. I mean, we have 
two avatars on this program right now. I'm really feeling kind of I, ha- like, I hand over whatever. the throne. I hand it over. Avatar whatever. <laughs> two avatars talking in one podcast? What's going on here? Mo Money. Sorry, Dante, to leave person. you out of this one. One of the Sorry. avatars came up with Mo Money for Momo. It's not good. <laughs> Clearly, Zach Zach deserves the title. (laughs) Oh, man. I so I think that in terms of like your bending ability, um, at least for an avatar, is closely related to your personality, as we learn in both series. Yes. Um, So I would say that I like most closely associate with with the air nomads for for pretty obvious reasons i i just like awesome i um i feel like that's that's not the answer that people want to hear but it's true i i, Why? I, no, I think, what do you I think, think they want to hear i think it's the answer people want to hear okay all right i you're like yeah no oh, i'm so what curious what you think people would prefer you say I don't know. I think uh, maybe they just they just want some some drama, some some hot takes oh, here. Like but if I'm you just say, you know, I'm Fire Nation yeah. all the way, like Dante. Yeah, but but I'm not. Be. I'm not an angry person. I'm Fire Nation. Yeah, you I'm definitely. I'm not either. Janet, you, what I'm are Fire Nation? I'm throwing the question back at you. Have you <sighs> had to answer thing. this yet? I've had to answer it so many times, and at, at I have. Cons, I'm sure. I feel yeah. I I feel. Uh, an intense loyalty to the water tribe. I love the water tribe with all my heart. I'm during the course of us doing this podcast and of like understanding myself as Janet, the character on this podcast. <laughs> I identify so hard with Toph. It's an interesting thing that's happening because I'm just I'm kind, I feel like I'm more apt to like, you know, l- let a burp out. And uh, still manage to like take care of business. I'm, st- you know, I'm just I, starting to wonder. In the in the few episodes of Korra that I have seen, I I I can see that I can see similarities between Korra and Toph, and just like their rebellious spirit. So that 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 doesn't it doesn't. It's not seem as far, far as a departure all. as I was afraid it was. Okay, that's no, no little, way. Yeah, Korra's a little rough around the edges. Yeah. <laughs> rough around the edges, that Korra. <laughs> To say the least. Uh, to say the rough least. around the edges. <laughs> because if you think about it, like the original cast, like the original uh, gang, if you would be. The OGs. Kind of, the OGs, they're actually all rich kids. They're all, I mean, Prince Zuko's the prince of the Fire Nation. Toph is Toph Bay Funk. She's like from the richest family. And then even the water, like Katara and Sokka are. Are the, their dad they're, they're, is pretty. That's true. Big. Yeah. Their dad is the is the chief. Yeah. So it's like they're all they're all refined. That's a good point. That's true. Characters. That's you know point. what I'm saying? That they all came together, and then of course, I mean, That's the Avatar is the Avatar. Yeah. I think all they're all they're raised by monks. They toss so flower yeah. petals at my feet wherever I go. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, but when it came to Korra, you, I mean, Korra's a little. Yeah. Korra's a little rough around the edges. Yeah. That one. It's true. It's true. It's a whole different vibe. It's a whole different vibe. And then the rest of your gang is all messed up, too. <laughs> None of those guys are royal. None of those guys are royal posh guys. We're like a bunch of posh kids doing stuff. And then you guys. Listen, again, my heart, I give my heart to the people who are still hurt that they turned on Korra thinking they were getting more Avatar at The Last Airbender. I love you. I know your pain. I know you don't need me to love you, but I still love you because I get it because I love The Last Airbender so much. And it is a wild ride into the future when you start Chorus. I am so happy just to be myself as a nerd talking about this show. And speaking of nerds talking about the show, what about our final question we're going to ask? Because we get asked and we feel responsibility as the kind of representatives of the fans on the podcast. Dante? Who do you ship? 
I had a feeling that ship one was shape. coming. Who do you ship? Yeah, I, <laughs> I learned about the whole concept got, of, of I, shipping on our on our last reunion, Dante, which is which was on on one of your yeah. one of your streams. Um, well, like again, I'm gonna give the answer that everyone wants to hear. That I just can't not say Katang. You know, like Katang. Say every, it. Say it's it. Katang. Like everyone was waiting for it the the entire series. It happened. You know, what, what else is there? I, you know, I mean, there is. <laughs> there are other ships, Zach. There are other ships. Of course, of course. Hey, I think I think Zuko and May are great. I love both of those characters. I think Cricket, who voiced May, was great. Mako's great. Um, yeah, Mako's a great ship. Yep. Um, I, I, I like that Zutara ship. You heard about the Zutara you ship? You know, we don't talk about that in these parts, all right? This is, uh, this is a Zutara <laughs> free go. zone. Yeah. Oh, um, it's all in your head, buddy. Uh, <laughs> um, it's all in your head, buddy. I love you it. heard it here. I love it. I it's love so it. So good. I, I, oh I also I, ju- I I I will say one more thing that I think um, uh, any any of Sokka's ships I love UA and uh, and also uh, Suki um, just I think you just saw a different side of Sokka in those moments that was it was cool it kind of rounded out his character a little bit more. Let's get real. Sokka gets all the girls. Like yeah, he's a popular Zuko, guy. Cool. Guess who gets all the girls? Yeah, popular Sokka. guy. I mean, we can bend, but Sokka's getting a girl in every place he goes. Yeah. It's well, that by the way, oh, Katara has a lot of people interested in her as well. I will say, awesome. this is true. She's got a lot of suitors, Everywhere. lot of suitors, deservedly Katara can't so. Turn around when someone's batting their I eyes. I mean, she's out. Katara. What are you gonna do? <laughs> she's a knock. She's just a knockout human being. Like she's an amazing character. It's those, it's those bangs. It's those little. So the the droopies. Yeah, everybody yeah. loves the droopies. Yeah, Dante. That's what it is. That's all it is. <laughs> it's not the those fact that she's droops. one of the best characters. ever. Ever created in animation or otherwise. She's amazing. <laughs> Katara is. How can you not love? Katara? No, you're She's just amazing. stinging right now because Zach totally schooled you on dropping Katara truth being bombs. In, yes. Yeah, Zutara <laughs> being in your head. <laughs> oh <Love> man, <laughs> this has been so much fun, Zach. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to of hang course. with us. We have been looking forward to this, and it has not disappointed at all. It has been same a blast. here. I had a what great time with you guys. Varney. Varney, we found the avatar. You found him. It was my honor to find him. Thank you so much again. This has been so much fun. And next week, we'll be talking about part two of the winter solstice. Which, of course, is called Avatar Roku. So, I don't know. We figured we probably better get Avatar Roku, a.k.a. VO actor James Garrett, to have a little chat with him. But, I don't know, Zach, he has got a tough act to follow. And I've been doing a bunch of fun merch giveaways on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm at Janet Varney on Twitter and at The JV Club on Instagram. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We love you, friends. We'll see everybody next Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.